a special edition of our show, Herstory on the Rocks, with Katie and Allie. Typically on a Thursday night, it would be Allie and I hanging out, just the two of us with a couple of cocktails, talking about famous women in history. But sometimes we like to talk to people who are writing about history or just writing really cool books. (laughs) (laughs) We have a very special guest here with us today, Amina Akhtar. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm so excited to crash your your cocktail (laughs) night. Ah, we're excited. Amina is a fashion writer and editor who garnered grave reviews for her first novel, Hashtag Fashion Victim, and she's here to talk with us today about her newest book, Kismet. Thank you. Yeah, my... Yeah. (laughs) It just came out like two weeks ago. I know. People are reading it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's trippy. (laughs) I know. I'm excited to get myself a copy because we just kind of got like the brief thing and I was like reading like the first couple pages on Amazon and I was like, oh gosh, like this is good. Girl, (laughs) I will still send you a copy. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Awesome. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in writing? Sure. I, um, I was a fashion writer. Like I moved to New York and I'm, I'm old in 1995 to go to university. I was there for like the nineties moment. Yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) And somehow right after I graduated NYU in 99, I got a job at Vogue, which was so perplexing because I was wearing combat boots and had spiked hair, you know, like I was not (laughs) the Vogue girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and they totally made me over, not like devil wears Prada made me over, but taught me how to, how to wear heels. So I just sort of stayed in the fashion world. You know, I worked at style.com, may it rest in peace. I was at New York magazine in, um, in from 2006 to 2010. And I helped launch the cup log and put all their fashion content up there. And then, you know, I kind of, the industry started getting weird. I started working at L, and then I got laid off because everyone gets laid off. Mm-hmm. And I'd hit this point where I was like, I'm 35. I can't get a job. I've aged out. I didn't expect that to happen so early. I thought I had at least 10 more years. <laughs> um, but, you know, why would they hire a senior, you know, web person when they could hire somebody who's, you know, 21 and like a dollar? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was like... God. So I was sitting there, I was like, what am I going to do with myself? And I was like, well, you could always try writing a book. I was like, I guess. I guess I could do that, right? I'm not leaving my apartment. I might as well do something while I'm in here. So I wrote my first book, which was hashtag fashion victim. And it was basically me murdering everybody in the fashion industry. So it was really <laughs> cathartic for me. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Sorry, all of you who worked with me. <laughs> <laughs> That is perfect. Perfect. Well, we're so excited to talk about your new book, Kismet. Uh, But first, we have to introduce the cocktail that we made for it. (laughs) So this book takes place in Sedona with all these wellness people. And so I was thinking a lot about, like, the desert landscape and sunsets. So we made you... Uh, this it's is very pretty. It's very pretty. It has, like, a beautiful thing going on. Um, so it is grapefruit juice orange juice, coconut rum, and then you float grenadine down to the bottom. <laughs> so cheers to you. and your that, Cheers. <laughs> I'm going to hold up a seltzer because that's all I have. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. It's yeah. beautiful. How does it taste? Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Very how many ha- How many have y'all had? Usually by the end of the night, we've had several because yeah. we have it. We do our interview and then we record of our. After. Listen, I'm not judging. I'm saying go for it. 
Okay. Have as much as you would like. <laughs> so first I want to say that I love the cover of yeah. the, the like the red Sedona background with like the luxurious pool and then the Maleficent style crow just kind of sitting there. I, I think it's beautiful. Did you have a lot of participation in that? Yes and no. I mean, you kind of tell people that the people like, oh, I want a little bit of this or like Sedona's really pretty. Um, and we actually had a different cover first. And then we were like, no, 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 let's go back. And mm-hmm. um, we got this one. And it's funny because the Raven is a big key part of the book. Mm-hmm. So they, the only thing I realized after the fact is I don't think I put a pool in the book. <laughs> so now I wish I wish I had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I, I don't see a lot of pools up here because we have so many wild animals mm-hmm. that it's like, if you have a pool, no, you have a watering hole now. Right. <laughs> it's not, they took it over. So I, it didn't occur to me to, to put a pool up here, which I should have. <laughs> Perfect. And speaking of that, so the book takes place in Sedona and it's about this New York girl who kind of ends up there in this wellness world. So can you tell us a little bit about Sedona and why you chose it? Uh, for the location of this book? Um, in 2016, in October, I moved out to this area, to the Sedona area, because my dad lives out here, and he was by mm-hmm. himself, and I was like, well, he's in his 80s. <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. want him by, like, all right, I don't, I, I was the unmarried sibling, you know, mm-hmm. without the family, so I was like, all right, packed up my dog and my shoes, and let, let's go west, <laughs> and so we live about 20 miles outside Sedona on a mountain, there's a well outside, <laughs> you know, there's wild animals running around. It is as opposite from New York as you could possibly get. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. Like it is, this this area has got to be one of the most beautiful places in the country by far. Um, just like seeing the red rocks and the trees and just being near nature. It's like, oh my God, I get it. I get why people love coming here. Mm-hmm. But I also was like, oh, I see something pretty. Let me set a murder here. <laughs> you know? like that's that's my first thought. Um, so that's kind of really what I did. And I based, I sort of set it up as like this, this woman comes from Queens, New York, right? She's this Pakistani American. She's very unempowered. She's a doormat. You know, her aunt has had, like, had her under her thumb her entire life. And she meets this socialite who wants to be the new Gwyneth Paltrow with goop. Mm-hmm. And so Marley, the socialite's nice to her. And, and Ronnie's just like, love me, <laughs> you know, and like gloms on and they move to Sedona. And then she kind of realizes this is weird. Like it, mm-hmm. not because it's Sedona, but because people are being weird. And, um, a lot of the fake healers, the ones who are not in it for healing, but in it to, to make a buck and scam people are turning up dead. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a whole murder mystery and in between all of this, we have the Ravens, who actually get their own chapters and their own point of view, like a Greek chorus, because it was important for me to get, like, the wildness of this whole area present and to ha- give them a voice, because I literally don't see humans. I see animals. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm out here, like, like it is so, it's just, it's wild, like, literally wild, <laughs> which I love. It's It's amazing to me. Well, that's perfect because we're from Baltimore, so Edgar Allan Poe is in our blood. Yeah, yes, <laughs> stand a goth king. Yes. <laughs> also, the idea of being out in that much nature gives me a little bit of hives. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> when people first come visit, the thing that freaks them out the most is how quiet it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm used to like living in a high rise in Manhattan, noise, mm-hmm. noise, noise. You come out here, and it's deathly quiet. 
and then you'll hear shrieks outside your window because the coyotes having a party every night, every night. <laughs> and you're like, is someone screaming? <laughs> so it, takes, it takes a while for people to like, okay, this is fine. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. But it, it can feel a little horror movie-ish at times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that the two main characters are Ronnie and Marley. How you said a little bit about their background. How was it writing like the relationship between these women? Well, it was funny because I kept thinking, what kind of person would need a guru? Like, where have you gone in your life that you would need this other person to help lift you out? And I was thinking back to my own life. And so I was like, well, let me take everything away from Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Like literally take our whole life away from her. So she has nothing. And so that the first person to show her any inch of kindness, she's obsessed with them, you know? And Marley, God bless Marley. She was, she's like a lot of people I've met in the fashion industry who have then morphed into the the wellness industry because it all kind of goes together, um, who isn't doing wellness for the right reasons. Like she's not trying to save the world. She's not trying to make it a better place. She's trying to get famous, mm-hmm. you know, and that's her whole shtick. So she was fun to write because she was just a clueless. I don't want to say the B word. Cause I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. And she's also like really slightly racist, you know, like she would say these things to, to Ronnie and Ronnie's like, Oh my God. What? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say that? I can't. I, yeah. What? <laughs> right. So, but it, Marley in the end, she, she, I don't want to say she means well, she means well for herself. Mm. And, and, and she is number one in her own life, which, you know, is a form of self care, I suppose, in, you mm. know, in its own way. Yeah. And so it sounds like she's kind of like a, like a wannabe influencer type. And did oh, you for have sure. like some influencers in mind or maybe even like some, one-on-one cult Stop. leaders that are historically <laughs> thought of. <laughs> Did I study cult leaders and look too? at it? Yes. Yes. You know what I also found is that there's a lot of cults out here. Um, they tend to be run by a lot of men, I found. So yeah. uh, that's why the main characters are mostly women. Yeah. Um, the other thing I found out living here, um, just from people coming up to me, it's the strangest thing. My dad thinks is hilarious. My New York bitch face does not work here. <laughs> so... I'll be out walking the dog and strangers come up to me and just tell me their life story. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I don't know what to do. But I found out that there's a huge swingers world Hmm. up here. Hmm. Yes. Which, uh, you know, whatever floats your boat. But I was just like, okay, this is an interesting place I've landed. (laughs) I have twin shamans in the book who are friends, who befriend Ronnie in this, uh, Brit and Star. And Britt is actually based on a real shaman I met here. Her name is Brittany. You know, blonde hair. She was a friend of a friend, and they'd rolled in. And we're all hanging out my house, and all of a sudden, Brittany says, Trump made the chemtrails go away. Oh, that. That look. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, bye. I don't think we're going to be friends, honey. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to have to screenshot that reaction. (laughs) And I mean, like, I literally had moved here the month before the 2016 election, right? I was not expecting what what happened. You know, like, there were were literally flags on houses still that, that screamed Trump. You know, it is a very strange place where it's about crystals and healing and auras and chakras and guns and Trump. (laughs) 
you know so it's it's this really bizarre mix that is just so arizona Mm -hmm. um so i really wanted to like capture all of that (laughs) i i really enjoyed the perspective of ronnie and kind of getting wrapped up in this beauty industry because you working at vogue and l and in fashion i mean a lot of marketing is preying on young women and their how much of that is woven into the story well a lot because wellness has become a billion dollar industry right Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is buy this crystal and you'll be well buy this candle get this incense um it's about buying your way into wellness when, you know, that's, there's no shortcut, you right. There's no shortcut into getting yourself to the right place that you're supposed to go. That's lots of healing and therapy and, and, you know, sorting out yourself basically. So there's a lot of moments in, in where they're like, um, I want to eat this crystal. I'm all right. I need, I need to wear this caftan. I have to look the part I have, to, you know, so it's almost a costume, you know, um, to me, wellness and fashion go very hand in hand because I, in the fashion world, there's just so many people who are into wellness, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not a well industry <laughs> at all. So you could be really into it and have crystals, but still be the most annoyingly horrible person on the planet, right? So it was kind of like, let's focus on that. Because obviously, wellness does have, um, you know, an underscore of actual spiritualism mm-hmm. that comes from different cultures, which is you know something else we touch on. Mm-hmm. Um but it's kind of buried under the whole capitalism consumerism part, which I'm like, look, buy a crystal if it makes you happy. But it's <laughs> not really going to probably do much more than that. Right. But, you know, a shiny, pretty rock is always nice, you know, whether right. it's a quartz or a diamond. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take either. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't expect those things to, to make me, you know, whole uh, or, you know, or a better person. Mm. Yeah. And did you feel like your relationship to yourself and the characters kind of changed as you got more into this book and kind of started picking apart these things that you you're witnessing in Arizona? A little, a little. And I, and I would say that this book, um, it could have been set in any wellness area, yeah. you know, had I been to Bali or Tulum or even LA, you know, it just, I happened to be here. So I'm like, let's do it here. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, I want to do this about Sedona. It was more like, let's go wow. into the wellness space mm-hmm. because I was seeing so many fashion people jump to wellness. And mm-hmm. to me, it was like, okay, well, why are they going into wellness? Like, are they actually trying to be helpful or are they making a buck? Right. And look, we all got to make money. I get it. But it really is like you said, preying on people and especially women, you know, because so many women, myself included, turn to wellness because the medical world has kind of said, you're wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. You know, meanwhile, I have chronic migraines. So I've had so many doctors be like, no, you don't. So you turn to wellness as a, as a moment to feel control, to say, I'm taking charge. I'm going to make myself feel better because nobody else is helping me. Mm-hmm. And I fully get that, but you have to do it in a way that actually works. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if you, and if you're doing it in the spiritual sense and not the health sense, then you have to be cognizant of where you're pulling your rights from. You know, are you pulling things from cultures that you're not also uplifting at the same time, mm-hmm. which happens a lot in the book because Ronnie is Pakistani and in the boxing American and in the book, they're always like, Oh, are you Indian? You're Hindu. We love Hindus. Right. And then she'll say, no, I was raised Muslim. And everyone's like, so I wanted really, I was that came from like a lot of people on Instagram posting roomy quotes, like the most watered down roomy quotes. I don't even actually sound like the original anymore. And it's like, want to point out well you know he's writing about god and he's very devout muslim and people Mm -hmm. are like what 
Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to play on that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. In terms of writing a thriller, that seems to me like it takes an immense amount of skill because you have to build up. No, I always joke that I'm not skilled. I don't. Oh no way! I I think that personally, I love writing, so I think writing is. It's not that it's easy. It's just Mm -hmm. that it's a process you have to go through. I for me, I have to know the beginning and I have to know the end, Mm, and if I can kind of herd the the. I, it's like herding cats. Get the characters <laughs> over towards the end that I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I can't. Like this book, I mean, I say it was easy. It took me five. I wrote, rewrote it five whole times. Like, I mean, like I had the entire book done and I scrapped it and started over mm-hmm. um, because it just wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm one of those crazy people who's like, oh, I just threw away a hundred thousand words. Oh, so let's start over. And yeah. you just <laughs> keep going. Um, I don't know. I think it's like if you're a good outliner and you can plot things out, you would you can be a good thriller writer. I cannot outline well. I literally have like a half a page and it's like, this happens, this happens, the end. You know, so I'm like, yeah. oh, I gotta get better at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I think it's no different than any other, writing any other thing. You just have to make sure that like the, the things you've dropped, the clues all kind of lead up to, to the right. big reveal. Yeah. And you don't have, like, watching a thriller, you get the scary music in the background. Right? Yeah. <laughs> get that. <laughs> I mean, you can already tell when things are creepy, mm-hmm. you know. You feel like make little ominous clues about things so right. that the reader gets the idea. Yeah. But you also don't want to be obvious. You don't want to be like, this is a clue, everybody. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then everyone's like, oh, I, I knew it was going to happen. And it's like, oh. right. Sorry, weren't for these darn kids. Yeah, (laughs) darn it, Scooby. Yeah. (laughs) So, as people are kind of going through and reading this book, what are kind of some of the things that you want them to relate to in the book and with you know Ronnie? I think all of us have at some point felt like an outsider, Mm -hmm. Um, and she feels like an outsider at home with her aunt, and Mm -hmm. she feels like an outsider. With Marley, because she is what I call an ABCD, which is an American-born confused Desi. That's people from the South Asian subcontinent. You know, we have a foot in two different cultures, and yet we're not fully in either culture. You know, we're too American for our families back home, and we're never American enough for Americans. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, where do you belong? Like, who, who are you? how like do you have to choose can you just be mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of people have felt that whether you know they're immigrants or not it's just that feeling of not fitting in not being sophisticated not knowing as much as all these other people and just having to fake it and, and just be like please don't realize what a dork i am you know <laughs> yeah. i've definitely had to do that just being like yes i fit here sure no, I know. <laughs> So I think that Ronnie's journey from being this doormat and the whole, it's basically a story of her journey to becoming actually empowered. Mm-hmm. And that empowerment doesn't come from Marley and crystals and what have you and smoothies. It's going to come from Ronnie and she has to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So when you are putting this all together, you mentioned a little bit of research about like cults and the wellness in- industry. Oh. What kind of research did you have to do to make sure that it followed like a through line of something that people could believe in? Well, not too much because wellness is such a present 
like part of our culture right now and especially pop culture like you open instagram and you're you're inundated with with wellness stuff so it's not that hard to replicate that influencer speak you Mm -hmm. know because i i'm not a fan of the influencer speak but you know it works for people people enjoy it so Mm -hmm. um to me it was really like let's put that out there and and see i really had to do more research about the animals (laughs) (laughs) like ravens and what have you and then um there are some weird beauty treatments i put in this book and i was like okay i was really looking up god my google history is kind of crazy places to dump bodies around sedona (laughs) and it was like okay that would be a good place and anytime i go there i'm like oh that no that place is a good place for a body yeah we we Uh, could do that place yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i also didn't want i had to make up places in in sedona because i didn't want to put like a real coffee shop and then put them on blast for anything you right. know because no 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 i've made up all these places that sounded very you know woo woo wellness so mm-hmm. yeah i mean the good thing about fiction is you get to make it up yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is a big shift from journalism so when i read my first book i, I had a drum it in my hand I'm like you can make this up you don't have to be like right. to the letter precise mm-hmm. you can be a little weird and different it's okay so the freedom to make things up as long as there's a root in truth and mm-hmm. and what's happening I, is very freeing because yeah i make it all up <laughs> all up <laughs> so this might sound like a dumb question but was it a fun book to write like did you just have the yeah. i'm like getting into all this yeah i love writing i love writing books where i'm murdering people it gets yeah. <laughs> all your angst and anger out like that woman who cut you off driving earlier mm-hmm. put her in the book you know yeah. like kill her <laughs> off somewhere awful like it just gets a lot of that and i think we have a lot of build up right now in the world yeah. where everyone's <laughs> extra angry and upset and it's like put it in writing honey it, it's like yeah. in that scene of mean girls were like put it in the burn book yeah put it in the burn book guys use <laughs> spotter you know get it all out because that's gonna help you as opposed to road rage <laughs> so that's pretty much what I do when I write and then there are times yeah you know, I try to make things as funny as I can because I feel like I, I tend to be a little graphic in some of my violence you know where like there's a death by crystal and it describes the sound that the crystal mm-hmm. makes in the brain and like when she's hitting so I was like well you have to make it funny because you how else is one I I won't enjoy it if I have to read because you when you write a book, you have to reread it like a bazillion times. Yeah. You have to like what you're writing because, mm-hmm. oh my God, it drives me. It's it's a lot. Yeah. So if I can make myself laugh, then I feel like, okay, I can make somebody else laugh. Somebody else will have my weird sense of humor and they'll think this is funny and that's perfect. So that's usually my goal is like, let me have fun writing this because then the reader will hopefully have fun reading it. Perfect. Yeah. So do you have, this book just came out August 1st. Do you have... um? anything on the horizon like what's your oh, new yeah. you I'm literally next? I'm in <laughs> edits for the next I'm in edits for my next book already oh. uh let's it's non-stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you just you just launched okay turn your next book in um yeah. <laughs> my next book is is set back in New York um I needed I needed that that sense of a lot of people around while you're walking on the street and that you know any one of them could be a violent killer mm-hmm. so i needed that sense because here we're all in cars you know so it was right. like, mm. um and it's about a woman who's being stalked and also haunted by a gin 
And she doesn't believe in any of that. And it really ties into my family history and, and folklore, mm-hmm. but Jin's in the family. And so I worked in a lot of my dad's stories. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see how people like that one. <laughs> well, we can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you and this book? I mean, it's out. So where can people it's buy out. it? <laughs> you can buy it on Amazon. You can get it from any bookstore. If they don't have it, you can make ask them to order it. Um, it's, you know, bookshop.org is great if you want to support indie bookstores. Um, and then I am, I'm in a desert hideout. You cannot find me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. And so on Instagram. And so is my dog. Um, and it's Dramina, D-R-R-R-A-M-I-N-A for both. And I literally just post about books, beauty, and animals. So that's all I do. <laughs> perfect Twitter account. <laughs> That's literally all I do. I'm like, yeah. look at this. Like, like I literally posted like two different beauty things today. But like, look at this cream I got. And look at this, this you know, I got that yeah. Instagram uh, concealer that, that's that been all over the place. I was like, I got to try this. Yeah. yeah. It works. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm testing it out. We'll see. I don't look too, too tired. Yeah. Um, and then I just literally post my dog who's right here. And I'm going to try to. Yes, let's see. My little Oh Oh my gosh. How cute. And she's gone viral before because I put her in a pink coyote vest (laughs) a few years ago when we first moved here because I was like, there's coyotes outside. They're going to eat my my city dog up. Like, oh my God. Is that like all the spikes? That's my dog. Oh my God. I can see that picture. (laughs) (laughs) She ended up on the James Corden show and I was (laughs) like, what? I can't believe it. I've seen that photo. That is my dog. My poor, poor suffering dog. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that your dog is safe. Mm-hmm. She's safe. Yeah. Safe, guys. That's rule number one in this house. Keep safe yes. beanie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and before we go, Mindy Kaylee mentioned you, right? She did. That's amazing. She did. Mindy is so supportive of uh of, of writers in general, but also specifically South Asian writers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. So I was just hanging out and then my editor sent that over and I was like, What? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? That's great. Mindy read my book and oh my God. Oh. So yeah, it, well, it's one of those moments where I'm like, that's not really happening. Yeah. I clearly, I'm clearly dead. And this is like yeah. some weird afterlife thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm in a coma on hallucinating this. I don't know. Yeah. I would have died on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm such a huge fan of hers. So it's, it's just incredible to have that kind of validation yeah. not that anybody should need validation from other people <laughs> but <laughs> it's Mindy Kaling so yes <laughs> awesome well it has been so great to talk to you and Thank we can't you. wait to meet back up with you when this next book yes. comes out. and more beanie yeah. <laughs> talk back on always yeah. <laughs> well enjoy the cocktail it looks delicious I'm oh. sad I don't have one yeah but next time Mm -hmm. next time time for sure